2: What is up? Notebook Wagering is back for your weekly edition of the show. We've got a bunch of topics to talk about, but first off, we are live from the Salisbury Center, fueled by Monster Energy, and I am drinking one currently on the show. The Watermelon All-Zero is my favorite, and I need it today. I've just, this whole month with the tournament, uh, now we got baseball starting, um, been hot and heavy with college baseball, I'm just drained, so... Kudos to the sponsorship for hooking us up with some Monster Energies because it's paying off tonight. What's going on, Smitty?
3: What's going on, guys? Great to be here. A lot of action. we got so much sports. Major League Baseball starts tomorrow. I can't believe it. I love it. It's Christmas Day. It is, man. Let's go, Pirates. Maddie. what's going on tonight?
0: Oh, in honor of my favorite sport, not my favorite betting sport, but my favorite sport, baseball. I'm wearing the Sandlot shirt tonight. With uh, Wendy Peppercorn on it, can't beat the boys of summer, I'm ready to go. We got a great guest tonight, and then I'm going to talk the pressing Final Four with you guys first.
2: Matt, let's make it quick. I got to get back for lunch. Back for lunch.
4: Mm-hmm. Hurry up. Let's go.
2: <laughs> little Hambino uh, quote there. Jason, what's
0: going on?
4: What's going on? Not much. I found out this week that from the Sandlot that Smalls was actually the best athlete out of the whole crew, and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm enjoying the victors. I won the family bracket. Not proud of it. Really got one team through the final 4 but (laughs) you, thank you very much. There's a lot of pride with that. You get beat by your nephews. It's never good. And uh, about to start the uh, 1,000-mile march that is the Pirates baseball season. Uh, It could wear and tear on you as a Pirates fan when there was literally no hope at the end.
3: And I'm um, still crying about losing my basketball coach at Penn State. So uh, yeah, it's been a great week. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my youngest daughter Danica. She uh, she won the bracket this year.
2: I feel like she wins horse races. Oh, she won. Well, no, no Dakota
3: is the horse. Racer. <laughs> okay, she, Dakota. Dakota's is <laughs> the horse racing girl. Oh, I trained her well. But Danica first first big win because she was always like in the basement. And uh, I needed Texas to win that last game, and didn't happen. So yeah, she. So. Which was good because I had Miami in a lot of bets, so I was glad that she won. So good job.
2: Speaking of teaching her well, you actually taught me how to gamble. I, I must have been ten or eleven. We are, yeah, i will never forget of, it.
3: I got a lot of good quality uh, trades in myself. We
2: <laughs> were at a preseason game. It was Ravens Eagles. Uh, to was not playing. I do remember that, and because uh, I was excited to see him get hit by Ray Lewis, and I remember going through the game, and next thing I know, Smitty says this: sp- "I need minus whatever for the spread," and I asked what it was, and. It was. and uh, he looks at my old man, and he goes, Hey, can I tell your son what a spread is? My dad said, I don't care. The rest is history. Here I am. I <laughs> I, and I think I won that.
3: Betting preseason I think did. football, man. That's where the action is.
2: It went from asking my dad if you can tell me what a spread is to now we're hosting a gambling now show. Now
3: we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Life, life's funny.
2: I love it. All right, let's get right into this. I'll tell you where I have not been taught well was this basketball tournament. I'm kind of hovering the 50-50 mark, but as of late, I've struggled. I did ride to Kansas State train a little bit uh tough loss for them good season did not like the coach going into the other locker room though that was kind of a turnoff for me I think that was kind of like a look at me moment uh but we move forward and we've got Florida Atlantic San Diego State Miami and UConn playing for the final four definitely outside of you <laughs> out maybe so there was some love for Miami but outside of UConn I mean nobody saw Florida Atlantic San Diego State, and I say nobody is in the masses uh, getting this far. So kudos to them, um, but also screw them because they lost me some money. So what's your uh, what's your <laughs> thoughts, Smitty?
3: <laughs> well, you know, Miami's been a team that I've been backing, and it's yeah. been really well. And I did really well on Sunday when they got down. I had um, I had a money line, I had the spread money line, and then I did take uh, two live bets. When they got down. And yeah, like plus it. nine and plus
2: something Plus nine else. and a half,
3: I think, and nine, mm-hmm. I think a plus 12 and a half. So, yeah. I mean, it worked out. So Miami's been my team right now. So, hey, I'm going to keep, keep going right back to it. So go Miami.
2: We'll start with you boys. Uh, why don't we just break down the first game? And we obviously we only have two games, so we can go a little more in depth. Um, let's talk the 6 o'clock game. And, again, we'll start with you guys. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. San Diego State a five seed. FAU a nine seed. Over/under is 131 and a half, and the spread is San Diego State minus one and a half. Why don't uh, Jason? Why don't we start with you, and then we'll go to Matt. But give us your thoughts on that game. Where you're leaning? Uh, what the stats say? You're you're kind of the stat nerd for
4: us. What you got for us? So yeah, no, I was just looking at that. Um, obviously, that's a low total to begin with. You're looking at like a game in the 60s with the 131 line. Yeah. I uh, I got two models. One that kind of lines up with that, and the second one basically says it might go even under um so that's kind of surprising not really both teams play pretty good defense in florida atlantic would like to push it a little more sure than san diego state would san diego state's kind of got that big just physically opposing lineup where they just grind on you and uh that's something the Florida has have to deal with it's a three guard lineup they're smallish i mean they do have a seven footer but everybody else is pretty much undersized at least in this matchup um so it'll be interesting i mean san diego state's kind of you know, we've, people have picked them this far before, and they've kind of always disappointed. And if yeah. you look at them out in the last couple of years, that's one of the reasons they were kind of taking the, the, the shells for them because, I mean, everyone else is disappointed out of that league. And San Diego State was right there with them until this year. Um, so it's not completely surprising. They've had a good program, but um, I don't know. It's really tough. I mean, for Atlantic, you got to think that this, when they went home after that uh, getting into the final four, it's probably been a really crazy week down in uh, Boca Raton. I kind of like the Aztecs here. It's one and a half. I think it's going to be a real low-scoring game, and I think they're just going to grind on them. Maddie, what do you think? I'm going to go the other way. Um, I actually think, and here's
0: my breakdown of it, um, San Diego State has the NBA pro bodies. Florida Atlantic actually is pretty deep. They do have the big guy in, in the center underneath. They have the better guards, though. And when you look at the numbers, San Diego State is – I mean, they're holding teams to what, like twenty six percent three point shooting? Unheard this of. Yeah, yeah, they're dominating on the defense, end, but are they really dominating? Are all these are these teams that they're playing just that bad at shooting right now? Now they're going to be in the big dome, which is always a problem. So the shooters better be ready. I think this. I mean, this is going to be, I think, low scoring where they have it. And if Jason says even lower, then go with it because. Like we just like I just said, they're probably gonna shoot bad out of the gate until they get adjusted. But I like Florida Atlantic. I I I mean, I think I saw a stat where only two teams have won 35 plus games. I think both have went on to win the title. So uh, give me give me a little bit of the odd numbers there. Good,
4: Jason. So talk about three point shooting. So starting with Utah State in the Mountain West final, they held them to 16.7 uh, percent, 20 percent against Charlotte, 23 percent against Furman. And these are good three point shooting teams. 11% against Alabama and then 11% against Creighton. Those last two are mind blowing. Like some of that is luck, but a lot of that was really good defense too. They were just in guy shirts and not really giving them a lot of space. Yeah, Smitty, what's your thoughts? Thing, or, I think I,
0: a quick real, a quick thing to that though, um, Florida Atlantic runs all the backdoor cuts though too. So if these guys are going to jump out onto that three point line, they're going to have guys cut to the hoop, and I think they can I think they can get some easy hoops going to the basket, and then if if somebody uh, drops in and picks up the guy cutting. That seven footer is always down on the either block just to hand it off to him. So I don't know. I, I I'm gonna ride with the Owls. I know San Diego State's so good defensively. I hate watching them play. But give me give me Florida Atlantic in this one.
3: Yeah, this is hard. You know, I think I'm gonna sit until about Friday, maybe even Saturday, because there hasn't been a lot of movement on these games. So I want to kind of see. It, it starts picking up on by like friday night saturday morning if you see some movement in the lines here a little bit i kind of agree with matt hey it's hard to go against conference usa right now i mean we were talking off air they're like 16 and one straight up in these um in these tournaments charlotte won the one uh you have north texas tomorrow night against uab and the nit and now you have florida atlantic and It's hard to go against them right now in this. You know, the one thing, too, is turnovers. Um, Florida Atlantic was turning the ball over a lot in their last game. And San Diego State, force the same thing with that. Uh, I think at times they kind of were trying to speed it up a little bit, and they kind of got sloppy with the ball. But – you know, it is. It's tough. Jason gave a, just a fantastic stat there. How they're shutting these teams down, shooting the three pointer. That's hard. And you know, but you look at the stats. They're a better shooting team. You know, if you look overall the team stats, Florida Atlantic has a lot. You know, they're they're better. And so let's see where the line goes here. But right now, I, and I like San Diego State, but I kind of might go with that. I might lean, lean Florida Atlantic.
2: It's so tough. And, and then the minus one and a half, I mean, just, I mean, that's almost a pick them if you think about it. Uh, I would lean, I think I'm going to do what Smitty does. I kind of want to see where the money and in, in the line mimic goes, but I would lean San Diego State. And I'll say this, I faded them the entire time. And, and, and the one thing I've noticed, like you guys just said, they held uh, Creighton at like 11% uh, and everybody else uh, right around that 20 or below uh, from the three-point line. Creighton and those other teams had some wide open looks. It wasn't like there was a guy in their face at all times, um, and I forget which which color commentator said it, but I agree with it. It was almost like they were covered so tight for so many attempts on the line. When the teams did get an opportunity to shoot a wide open three, they, it seemed like they rushed it. Like they were, it was almost uncomfortable to be that wide open. And that almost is just as good as being right in somebody's grill because. There's it, Sometimes I think sometimes the easiest, the shot, easiest shot, shot is sometimes the hardest, some to hardest to make. And I think that's and what kind of you saw. You uh, saw. Uh, I did like uh, Matt's did, point, though, that FAU that does, does uh, do a lot of backdoor cuts. We did see, and like you said, they were turning over the last couple games, even against Tennessee. Tennessee was getting her hands involved in those backdoor cuts in the first half, and it was effective. Uh, but then they just kept battling through it. They had some composure. Um, The one thing that does scare me, though, is San Diego State's top players have not played well in this tournament. And at what point, you know, does somebody bounce back? And that's kind of what scares me. Um, I mean, we saw uh, we talked about on the show, Arkansas's best player uh, ended up turning it on pretty well. Now, the rest of the team just got, you know, shit on per se. But he he had a pretty good start compared to his last few games. And again, at some point, man, star players stay star players for a reason, and they don't go through these long slumps, uh, but so often and for so long. And, and I just think that might be the edge. Like, do we finally see them kind of wake up and now you've got a complete San Diego State juggernaut team? Um, with that being said, I am going to wait, but I, I would almost lean San Diego State for that reason. Um defensively and then their best players just i mean eventually they got to turn it on and there's only two games
3: left so. yeah bradley only played 20 minutes because was yeah. in foul trouble but he's he such had, a good player he had two points two yeah. points you know Trammel. Uh, and Trammel, yeah trammel has been i think really picking it up yeah yeah so yeah i mean and that's and that's hard you know you get in your star player gets in foul trouble quick i mean it can really change well and I mean, it's true
2: Keont, uh, keontae johnson with kansas state i mean he was in foul trouble T- and took them out of the game plan and,
3: and you know another one you know and we're going to talk about uconn here in a couple minutes but i mean with the, the zags Timmy got in foul trouble and i mean i don't even know if that was gonna i don't think it mattered mattered really but uh but you could tell when he got those quick fouls, and that's the thing so fouls you know that's key in this star player staying in um You know, the big guy underneath is, I like him, talented guy. Um, He's very good around the basket, so I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, And again, you know, one of the things with this tournament so far is these unders. The unders are still doing really well in this. And it should justify
2: to Jason and Matt's point about being in the bigger stadiums. The lighting's different. There's a million more fans in the stadium. Like the view from the the point of view of your eyes trying to focus on the hoop's going to be completely different. So that just plays in the Jason models of even being further under. Matt, what's going on? Matt,
0: what's going on? So, Q, you brought up uh, Matt Bradley for San Diego State. I yep. think he went three of sixteen in the second uh, weekend there. Oh, he's horrible,
2: right, horrible now. right now. between Matt, foul trouble and foul shooting, trouble like shooting he's too good play. to continue this, in my opinion.
0: If that's what you want to think. But then again, you're right. Florida Atlantic, right. Florida Atlantic plays really good defense themselves. So, Abso- yep, you're, if you're, he you're right. He can't score. It's, like, we've said it on the past couple shows. We've been waiting for the – even Jason texted it out right away at the beginning of the Creighton game. Here's the San Diego State bricklayers. Here they come. Yeah. And yeah. lo and behold, I think Creighton just ran out of gas. But I, I don't know. I, that's why I lean Florida Atlantic. I don't know if Matt Bradley is that actual guy.
2: Fair. I mean, he hasn't – He if, if somebody's to say he's not the guy, you're looking pretty in your argument right now. Uh, so there's definitely like you can see both sides of it Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps out and has a breakout game but I'm also and to your point like he is in a slump I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in it and then that obviously that bodes well for Florida Atlantic um
3: well, I think if you would have, said, would have said going into that game against that the game Blue Jays, if he was in foul, was in foul trouble, trouble, would we be playing, in the, playing in the Final Four? They would have been like, no chance. Good yeah, No chance sure. at all. So, I mean, it's amazing that they're here because he is their star player.
2: Well, I think also, too, Creighton's uh, coaching and lack of depth kind of hurt them. You could just see they kind of seemed to run out of gas late. Um, now, we, we obviously had – discrepancies on the foul call, uh, I feel like you don't make that call because you haven't called it for 39 other minutes. But beyond that point, you could just see Creighton getting tired in the second half uh, and San Diego State essentially not being tired because they were constantly replenishing bodies, uh, especially their big man like A-Rope would come in and give them solid five, six-minute stretches and then let their other big guy come in and and he was essentially healthy or uh, fresh. So that, that you could just tell and even the, coll- the commentators mentioned it. Like Creighton's run the same five, six guys all night. At some point, this is going to hurt them, and, and I think ultimately it did. Great. All right, let's talk uh, the last game. So we have Miami and Connecticut. Connecticut is laying five and a half. Over-under is 149 and a half. Uh, kudos to Miami. Uh, I rode them hard last year when uh, we were out in Vegas. Um The one thing about them, and I actually think they, if they can shoot like they did in the last 10 minutes against Texas, frankly, the whole tournament, I don't know that there was a team in this tournament across all 68 that had four solid shooters. And when I say shooters, like can make the shots, anybody can shoot the ball, but they make them and they make them like turn around. You know, fadeaways, threes, Omeer down low. They just make every shot between Miller, Wong, Pack, O'Meer, Like, they're just so hard to cover. Most teams have two, maybe three scores. They got four. And that's so hard to defend all four because at the, I think the end of the
3: day. I think they're starting five. We're all in double digits. Yeah, they can
2: all yeah. score. Uh, I mean, Nigel Pack's a number one on any other team. And he's kind of Batman and Robin with... You know wong like those to, to have those two cars is incredible and they they don't you could tell they're composed like they didn't stress i mean they were down 13 and it was like nothing they turned on the gas and that was it um i think that they can give connect as long as amir stays out of foul trouble with that big uh big guy yukon has who's very physical i think that they could actually outshoot UConn yukon here because i think yukon's only got a couple like true shooters and i just think it's so hard you know, for them to guard four guys and and have four guys not shoot the ball. I mean, as high as they're playing, I, Miami could win this whole tournament. I do think the winner of the Miami UConn game is going to be our national championship. I will say that. I will
3: say that. Yeah, Miami's good as a dog. I have down their nine and two ATS dog this year. They're, you know, the last three games they've been an underdog and they've yeah. won. They beat a number one. They beat a number two. Like you said, I have down on my index card the guard play. They have so many guys that can beat you. You know, Miller was the guy last game. I think with 27. Points. Wong had 27 against Indiana. yeah and this team's scoring you know 85 89 88 points so this is a good team you know but you look at UConn and just I mean again they played Iona beat them by 24 St. Mary's by 15 Arkansas by 23 the Zags by 28 I mean you would have never I mean I was sitting on my couch going what is happening I never thought that was going to happen but they are a machine right now. I mean, I said to you guys that Hawkins man coming off the screens. He looks like Ray Allen. Just how quick he can get the shot off. Yeah. It's just amazing. The big guys underneath, they bring guys off the bench. So Miami's going to have to bring their A game. There's no doubt they str- I mean, they could get run out of the gym. But again, I am not I haven't taken a bet yet. I want to see I'd love to see this get up to 6. I, right now I think it's yeah, five, and, it's a five half. and a half. I'd yeah. love to see it up to six. And then, and then you know, I'll tell you right great. now, cause I like doing a I teaser, like teaser play. play. I'll take Florida Atlantic up and I'll take Miami up. That will be Atlanta. one of my bets, one but, my but, but I, think be I think it's gonna be a great game, but, great game, but Miami's, been, Miami's good been good to good me. To me. So I yeah. might have to go right back with the hurricanes. Matty, what do you got on this, got on
0: this one? one? Well, I'm going to give no love. to stores, Connecticut, and I'm also going to give no love to Miami, Florida. Uh, I hate both schools. Oh, I'm with you, I'm not, but I'm huge forced to <laughs> huge butt. But I love this Miami basketball team. Uh, those three guards: Wong, Miller, Pack, phenomenal. Q, you hit it though. If Norshad Omier can stay out of foul trouble, because Sonogo and the other big they bring in after him are going to test him down low all game. I mean, he's six seven. He does play like he's a. 6'11", power forward.
2: He's definitely undersized height-wise, but he's so physically strong.
0: strong. He is, and I'm with Smitty, though. I'm going to roll, keep rolling this Miami team. I've already bet it. I I took the points. I grabbed 5.5. I actually think the play here, though, is the over because Miami doesn't play really good D. Uh, Connecticut doesn't really play great D either, even though they have the shot blockers down low if you try to, to test them. But they love to run. They love to cut. They are they are a team that never stops moving. Like somebody said with uh, Hawkins coming off screens and whatnot, just pick and pop. They, they're constant motion, and they're really good at distributing the ball. So I think this is an overplay, but I do like Miami with that – that asterisk on Omier, because if he gets in foul trouble, I think this one gets out of control.
2: Yeah. Well, not he's the of, only the big that they have. they have. And we saw that last yeah. year, uh, when yeah. they played Kansas the first half, they were in that game within a basket or two the whole time, and then uh their their undersized center, not Omier, I can't think of his name, he's not there anymore, got real quick in foul trouble in the second half, and then he went out of the game with like fifteen minutes left in the second half, and then Kansas like all right, cool. All right, Just cool. kept dumping down, and then now they ended then up winning by like 20 something 20 points. 20 so don't that could be
0: on stats under here. But so we, we use Ken Palm a lot, and uh, Bama was the number one Ken Palm team. They're out. Uh, Houston, the number two team. They're out. Number three was UCLA. They're out. So maybe those rankings aren't up to snuff this year. And guess who's number four? It's UConn. So, uh, I mean, they are the top ranked team left. And, but you, I think you did nail it with an overall bigger picture. The, this is the national title game. The winner of this game takes it all.
2: I, I kind of wish, wish that, and you would never know this, but I kind of wish they were opposite and was the national title. Oh,
4: absolutely. Um,
2: yeah.
4: Sorry, Jason. Go ahead. If I stole your stats, or no, not at all. I mean, it's it's tough because you look at the numbers and the model runs Yukon, but man, it's like we talked about this. You, you can't kill Miami. <laughs> like. Like you said, you got all the scores. Some one somebody's gonna be hot, no matter all the four. And they have a really tough matchup. I mean, UConn's bodies actually match up pretty well. Like where they they play basically a four guard lineup. I thought Jackson, who was playing for them against these guys matched up on Timmy, who actually played really smart even though Timmy wasn't guarding him. Um he's gonna really be a huge factor in this game because he's probably gonna be the guy they're gonna put on whoever's hot at th- that time and like to try to shut somebody down because they don't count on him for offense. I think that's the hardest part, right? You have all these guys you have to play defense against Miami and they make shots yeah. and you know, if yeah. they don't need a whole, they run around lot of offense, but they, they don't need a lot of offense. There's going to be times where guys are just going to get one-on-one like it's an NBA game and take you. And that's, that's really the biggest thing. Now I do think the issue is with the big guys, like they have to go inside of Snogo. go. They have to get Omie in foul trouble because that pulls one of those guards down to the post. And all of a sudden they're focused on that. Kid has two really good bigs. I actually like 32's game just as much as like Sonogo's game because I think their offense works better when 32's in. It. What was his name? It's um, uh, elude me now. Like, But let's see. You UConn, know, this is the difference from last year's team to this year's team. Like Last year they had a, the metrics, but when you watched them, there was no one who could score. And this year it seems like they have a bunch of guys who can score. All they, and, they so had they was, was Bo Right really last year. Bogart last year. Yeah, and even he wasn't that kind of like a guy who could really get his own shot. He wasn't nah. really contained. I mean, I was going to Teddy Allen basically took them on himself and beat them in the first round, which never happened. But um, I, I, I'm i leaning Canes at the points. Like you said, I hope it gets up to six. I think the teaser is a really smart play because you can't kill Miami. Texas had him down. Like, Texas was playing really good defense. Like, they were – they had a 10-point lead, and they, all of a sudden they stopped making shots, and Miami like, started making shots, and it was over. Like, I mean, you're just watching the game. There was nothing Texas could do to get back into that game. They just literally they were going to have to match them shot for shot, and you just can't do it. You agree, Matt, or no?
0: I, I do. I just wanted to say, like, uh, bring up a, a pass point, though, when we were, people were upset that. Gonzaga, uh, Timmy was in foul trouble there. They could have had Dan Dickow, Ronnie Torioff, and Timmy. <laughs> and they weren't were winning that game.
2: Yeah, no, it didn't UConn matter. Were,
0: yeah, UConn was just, they, they crushed it that game. I mean, they, they were dominant, so it ties into Jason. with if they feed that Sonoko down low, and I'm pretty sure they're going to
3: right out of the gate and see if they can get A in foul trouble.
2: Well, that's got to be, the game, be the game plan. You know
0: Miami's I mean, only got one strong, big. It
3: doesn't happen. You know, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah, Cause I wrote something down this week. I think, again, with the turnovers, because everybody was panicked with UConn going into the last game. and kept. Because, you know, if you look at UConn, they had nine turnovers against Iona, 14 against St. Mary's. Then it went up to 17, and, a, you know, they blew them out, but they still turned the ball over. And everybody was saying, going into that playing Gonzaga there, hey, watch the turnovers here, man. They, they're a little sloppy with the ball. So they only had eight against them. Now, if you look at Miami, they forced 12 against Drake, 12 against Indiana, 8 against Houston, and then 14 against Texas. I think one of the big things in this is, can Miami get them to turn the ball over Then they're right in this game and they can maybe pull the win?
2: A couple things. I think if you're UConn, you know Miami's got one big, so you have to attack them. But if you're Miami, I think you almost – pull your guys off the bench, right, and you, you purposely take some bench guards early on in the game and you take a couple charges, so be it, but force the you know, force the, the referee to make the charge or the blocking call on Sanago. Because I think if you get a, you have two or three fouls on him, one's going to go your way, right? So you get him one foul. Then I think if you're Omie, you know he's going to kind of bull rush you inside and really push back on you when he's backing down. Pull the rug out. Slide to the side. Let them turn the ball over. Because when those big guys, they're shifting all their weight back. They're lopsided. There's a reason they're big guys. They don't move as quick as guards. They don't have the the footwork in the, in the realistic scheme. Let them fall back. Because we've seen a lot of these turn in these tournament games. There's been some guys where they pull out, you know, just to the left or the right, and then all of a sudden on the baseline, the ball's you know out of bounds. It's turnover. Do that because I think that you could maybe get in his head a little bit and, and almost use Omir's uh, quickness as, as an advantage Um in that. But here's another stat. It's pretty crazy. I think this is going to be the fifth Final Four or sixth Final Four that UConn's been in. And they go on to win the national title when they're here. I mean, you look. They made it with, what, the 99, the 04, the Kemba year. What was that, 11. The Shabazz with Kevin Ollie and fourteen and then now here. Like they won all those. So that's I mean I mean they don't lie, like they've made themselves into in the last twenty five years of Blue Blood. When they get to this point, they usually advance. So that's also kind of a metric. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game pretty handily because the numbers are showing that they get to the national title and then when they do, they win it. I mean they don't lose them. Who
4: do you give the who do you give the coaching advantage to? <sighs> there there you go. Uh, okay, there's the there's, there's equalizer yeah, to that. Answer to that. I, I'm always amazed at how um, Jersey City Danny Hurley sounds like when he talks. Yeah, but did you give Kevin Ollie the advantage? And then when you see him on a Saturday and Sunday when he's wearing a hat, you're like, who the hell is this guy? He, oh, it's yeah, you've got the head coach? It's, it's pretty stunning.
2: Did you give Kevin – I mean, you don't give Kevin Ollie the advantage, though, when he won a national title.
4: I don't even know who they played.
2: Uh, I, they definitely weren't favored to win. I mean, I know that. and Obviously, he's not –
3: not where he's at anymore. He got fired uh, whether it was right or wrong, but you know one you know one bet I'd keep an eye on and it's not in my book right now is the team points because you know I think we I think we all kind of yeah
4: up. this I don't could think be I have a shootout right
3: here this might And Matt bro I think it was Matt that brought it up and said Miami's defense is a little leaky at times keep an eye on the team points uh Connecticut Connecticut and maybe take the over in that
2: or both I mean if you're saying it's going to be an over lay the team points for both teams and see where it gets you you might hit one you might hit both um that's just kind of how I would go if you are thinking that way. If you're thinking under, slide. Team total under. But. All right, that's uh, that's all we got for those games. Obviously, we'll talk on National Championship on Twitter because um, that'll be Monday. Monday night, I think, 9. Uh, so we'll, we'll maybe we'll jump on a Twitter space. If we've never done one. Maybe we do that. All four of us, we get on there, kind of test the waters, dip our toes in it, um, and see see what that brings. Um but let's move on to baseball on to opening baseball. Day, tomorrow. day tomorrow. I'll be at Nats park, uh, to start the first loss of my oversweat sweat, 57 and a half. Um, positive. Hey, listen, I'm positive. Cause I'm going to have a nice cocktail, a nice hot dog, and it's supposed to be 55 and sunny. So I'll take that. I've been to some that have been ice cold and miserable. Uh, so hopefully we get a win. Maybe we steal one because everybody's jacked, but, but, um, I think our guest is here. Uh, so we'll uh, bring him on. So we, we got a guest for you guys. There he is. So we've got Josh Towers, former major league pitcher. He's been on the show a couple of times. If you followed us, what's going on, Josh?
1: What's up, man? How are you?
2: Good, good, good. Thanks for coming on again. Exciting time, man. This is, this is like, uh, this is Christmas day. You would, you would know firsthand.
1: <laughs> I got a couple of questions real quick. What, um, what's the lovely
2: cocktail you're going to have? Um, <laughs> Probably a nice oh, yeah. Mic Ultra because they don't sell Miller Lite at the Nat Stadium anymore, which is egregious. They used to. There used to be one stand that I always go to, and I don't think it's there anymore. So.
1: And then, uh, I mean, Patrick Corbin, your opening day starter. <laughs>
2: Let's not talk about that. He
1: might have about five. <laughs> how's, hey, how's your arm,
2: how's your arm looking? <laughs> it looks fresh. How's your arm going?
1: <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm not gonna talk smack about anybody, but I'm. I think I can do a
0: respectful job right now.
2: I think you could. Nice. I I think (laughs) think that
0: means you're expecting some long balls, Josh.
1: I just, uh, I looked at the team, man, and it just, it doesn't look very good. And Patrick didn't have a good year last year and as optimistic as I would love to be, it doesn't look good.
2: I think it's going to be better, but I don't think you could get worse than what he did. So we're going to stay optimistic. It's game one. We go one and zero. We're on 162-0 win streak projections. So let's have some faith here in uh, DC.
3: So, hey, <laughs> hey, so, hey, Josh here. So he's a he's a Nats fan. Myself and Jason we're Pirate fans. So I mean, this is hard, man. Oh, wow. We're it this is
0: just a- a- <laughs> so for you. I'd be a race fan. <laughs> Rays or
2: A's? Because you that could a's. pick both.
0: Oh, a's? Well, I used to love the A's. I'm not yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh,
3: so, so I'm, I'm going to jump He's in. Like hey, Josh, real quick. Hey Josh, so since it's opening day, opening day, I mean, you've been yeah. there. What is the overall feeling as a major league player? Just, uh, you know, maybe being a real young guy up in the show or as you get older as a veteran, what's the feeling of opening day? Opening day. It's, uh, there's so many right I mean you're in spring training and you know you're on the team so you're preparing
1: for it um spring training becomes preparation more than anything and opening day like obviously it's real so it's like it's hard to explain because you don't look at stats as much but then you know your your entire contract and your season is, is based on a predicated around it and it's nice just to get back and have some meaningful games to it with that said when you're on the cusp or young and I've been there a few times you're trying to make the team and spring training becomes very stressful and you don't even you don't even process opening day until tomorrow when you're running out the red carpet or whatever it is if you made it like it's not even in the in the sights. I mean there's guys that just found out today or late last night that they made the team that couldn't even prepare for anything right so it's such a it, it just depends on your place, but when opening day is here, it, it, the excitement, it doesn't really, I mean, maybe the postseason excitement, but it doesn't really get better than all the fans back. Everybody's ready for baseball. We got six months of a good time getting ready to happen. its its I don't know, it's about as good as it gets, right?
2: Do you think, just to think, piggyback on that question, do you think guys come in loose or, or nervous because it's the first game they don't want to start the season on a loss?
1: Uh, it's not so much a loss, right? I mean, every day we're doing whatever we can, collectively as a team to win. Sure. Um, sure, But we also know that, like, you're going to lose games. And we used to have things with the Orioles. Like, if we went – I mean, I guess with the Jays, it was like, let's just try to win each series. And with the like Orioles, that. it was to, like – I remember something like, if we go 11 and or 12 and 8 every 20 games, I mean, at a certain point you're so far above 500, you're in a good place, right? So you try to – really minimize what you're what you're trying to accomplish i mean sweeping people is not the reality of, sure. of usually baseball suits, but it's a goal and everybody collectively i want to do well today i'm the starting pitcher you want to do well tomorrow you're the starting pitcher etc but it's just really it, it, it kind of, it, i mean who are you and where are you at in your career you're a young kid making your debut you want to go forth 4 you're a veteran who's established if the calls for moving a guy over, that's what you're going to do. If it calls for trying to get a ball up to drive him in, that's what you're going to do, right? So everybody's situation is different based on where they're at.
2: Yeah, I like that answer. I like that answer.
0: Josh, I'll go real quick I just, just you know. because you brought up the Jays. Yeah. Are the Jays who basically stacked their pitching this year, in my opinion anyway, is this the year they're going to topple the Yanks and the Rays and, and finally take this division or no?
1: Listen, Tampa... Tampa's done a good job. Kevin's done a good job, but it's – you're asking a lot, right? You're asking a lot of that bullpen who's all going to get hurt and then you got to replace with an entire new bullpen and they're going to get hurt and the other bullpen comes back. and it's, it's, it's a tough game that he continues to play over there when you only got like one or two starters who never go past four innings. Um, I like Tampa. They're always going to be in the game because he's very intelligent, but I just don't know if they have the firepower to go the full season to beat what these two teams are offering. Toronto needed to add that pitching. They needed Yusei Kikuchi to have the spring training. Yusei did. Um, hopefully, Yusei believes in himself and carries that over to the regular season because he's as good as what we saw. I've seen this kid for years and in Japan. And then they added some other guys. Alec and we at West Virginia. We knew he was going to be the guy, right? And then Bassett's, you know, he'll have his bad games, but he's consistently good and gives the team an opportunity. So, I mean, they added what they needed to add to help that team. The bullpen has to do their job. I think the offense is in a place where they, they're they solidified Major League Baseball players. Um, so I think they're the contention should be there the entire year. I mean, I, I, if they win it, I'm not going to be surprised. I mean, it's tough to pick over the Yankees. I don't think Boston's in play. But the Yankees are starting with, what, Severino and Rodon on the shelf, I believe. You have guys like Burrito and some other guys that can step up. Do we really think, and again, no disrespect, but anybody can do anything worse. Do we really think Nestor Cortez is gonna be that guy again next year? I don't, right? that's a lot to live up to. And maybe maybe he is that good, but the pressure of trying to duplicate what he did when he'd never done it before, that mounts within you. So I don't think we can count on Nestor like that. Um, they're gonna need depth. And I don't I don't know, I just don't think their offense is as good as it is on paper, right? So I love the Yankees, but I think the Jays are slightly better.
2: I would agree with that I, especially with the Yankees they only have two two real starters in my opinion um, and Garrett Cole I, I don't know he didn't impress me last year maybe' was, he didn't really have offensive production but then you throw in like a rookie named Anthony Volpo obviously he's got tough shoes to fill he's kind of everybody's saying he's next Jeter so now he's made the team you know what's that gonna be so that could be a, a, a down bat Um Judge, uh, is Judge going to have the same season? Like, that was pretty perfect season from an offensive standpoint. Like, it's normal to have some regression, So, I, I really like that. Uh, in fact, I, I think it would be worth the money on a gambling perspective uh, to lay the, the Jays. Because, like you said, I think the Rays, like, they play picture-perfect, almost scientific baseball or statistical baseball. Uh, and that only gets you so far. And then... You know, you got teams like the Orioles; they're on the up and up. So that's, you know, equate those to a couple more losses somewhere else, whether it's the Yankees, Red Sox, or Rays. Um, the Red Sox kind of have started. If they can get Justin Turner back, that'll help. Um, whenever he's healthy and stuff like that. The Rays have a good lineup offensively. They're going to keep you in games. So I think it's worth laying the, the money on that, the AL East. I mean, how can you not? As close as 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 good as everybody else is, they're going to beat up on each other. So give them the odds.
1: Yeah, and everybody's style of baseball is different, right? Like, yeah. Tampa's style of baseball, the way they pitch, that's what's going to keep them in games. The yeah. offense every now and a click. Otherwise, the offense is going to be like one or two runs yeah. or eight or nine. I mean, it's such an inconsistency, but the starting pitching does. Um, its Listen, we all know it's almost impossible to duplicate what Judge did. I mean, the only guy that's ever done that was Barry Bonds, and that was an average season for him because he was the greatest player to ever play our game. Judge had a phenomenal year at the right time, and so he got a lot of puff for it. But do we really think he's going to do it again? Um, I mean, if he hits 45, 47 homers, yeah, I'll expect something like that. But not really what he'd done. It was it was amazing. And, and when are we going to learn as pitchers, like, that's not the guy to pitch to. Put him on. Like, you got John Carlson, hit somewhere near him, and you got Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I'll put my blindfold on and face those guys all day over there and judge. So, like, why yeah. would I even pitch to him? <laughs>
2: I'm in agreement. agreement. Uh, Just for that, you can get them at plus 600. So I actually think you you talked me into that. I think I'm going to put some on that responsibly tonight. Um, Jason, Matt, you guys got any questions?
0: Tons. Tons. So uh, Josh, you actually nailed the Aaron Judge home run total. I actually looked at it today. You said 45 or 47. I believe the over under was 46. So great work there. (laughs) This guy knows ball. not Not like you have any tickets out there or anything, but... I, you, I, want, sure? I want a fun story. So it, it's uh, notoriously known that pitchers in spring training uh, play a lot of golf. I want I want I want yeah, a golf story. I'm sure you got something up your sleeve.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you why I didn't get called to the big league for the Dodgers. Um, you know, I did not golf a lot. I moved. I moved to Vegas in 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 2002, 2003. So the off season of 2003, what is that? My first year in Toronto. Uh somebody called me from a golf course here and asked me if I'd go play in like some celebrity pro am they had, some think tank out of uh DC. And I was like, Well, I'm not a celebrity and I don't golf. And he goes, Go buy clubs. So I think I went to Target and bought clubs for the first time. So I actually picked up golf 26 years old. And now I'm addicted to it, man. Um so I actually didn't play when I like during this. I think maybe when I got with the Yankees, I played a little golf, but that was it. Um I remember me and Tyler Clipper going and and Doing some tournaments in spring training with the Nationals, no and I like watching Tiger win down in Florida because I had some buddies on the PGA Tour I trained with. But um, one of my buddies is Bill Lundy; he's not on the tour anymore, but he was playing at the Zurich in New Orleans, and I was pitching that day in AAA and doing really well. And the Dodgers were on the cusp—I didn't know this at the time—but they're on the cusp of calling somebody up, and it was like me or or uh, I think it was Fry was his last name. And uh, and so the, the the radio guy and I went down. To the Zurich, and it was back before Uber or anything, right? Oh, I had to call cabs and hope to get them. And we went down to the Zurich, and I can be at the field late. I can be there 4, four thirty-five o'clock. And uh, I was in jeans all day, and it was super hot, middle of the summer, and well, not middle, it was super early. Watched Monday play some golf and try to get a cab, while well, the cab driver decided he's not coming back. Oh, and so we shot for an hour. I got to the field at like maybe six, and my manager was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" And I was like. Yeah, this is what happened. Uh, sweat through my pants, like not making any excuses, but it didn't go well that day in New Orleans. And after the game, I got called the Big Leagues instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I never told Lenny that story either.
0: <laughs> you, better, you better get uh, some reparations from your boy, the golfer guy.
1: Oh, I never even told him, man. Uh, and that was basically the end of the career. I think I retired like a month later. Does,
0: does, he, have a, does he have a Twitter handle? Yeah, probably.
2: <laughs> uh, I hope we're gonna have to
0: look him up
1: and see if he knows that. love it. yeah, look him up. He'll love it. Uh,
2: Josh, do you um, what's your obviously being a former pitcher, uh, we saw Scherzer try to play the game of like the quick pitch, and now it's gonna be considered a balk. What's your um, w- one? What's your thoughts on the pitch clock and, and well, the pitch and batter clock? But then two, like how do you think that that those two clocks are gonna translate maybe into more overs or unders in a game? Uh, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts? Uh,
1: Hitters are going to hate it. It's so bad for hitters. Um, Hitters need to be – they need to take their time. They need to process. They need to think about what I did, what I'm going to do, what I did last about, what I did last series. They need time to process and get into that rhythm. This doesn't allow that. Uh, When I was with the Orioles, I told the story a few times. When I was with the Orioles coming up, Sid Thrift, our our director of player development, had this thing he called the 12-second rule. And what they said was, is let's say you're up and I throw a forcing fastball down and away and you swing and miss. If I can repeat that pitch within 12 seconds, the chances of getting the same result was like 95% or something. So we didn't really realize what was going on. with his kids, but we're just taught to work fast, work fast, work fast. And it just rushes hitters. The human tendency is to react. Um, Hitters' tendency is to swing. It's not to take. And so when you you factor in a lot of different things, when a hitter feels rushed, he's going to swing every time. You know, we used to sit there. I know Mike Dunn, Leffy, uh, Dunner would do it the opposite of me. I would sit there and wait for hitters. I would hold, I would hold, and any hitter that would take his hand off the call time, I would time that in my head, and then I would sit there and hold, hold on. As soon as I saw his hand come off, I would throw a pitch to where he couldn't get the time, but he'd feel rushed, and he'd swing every time. Dunner did the opposite. Dunner would sit here and watch him and count, uh, and then he would go time, and as soon as he got time, he would count that in his head. So he went the opposite effect. But as soon as a hitter feels rushed, they swing. And this all this is doing. It's it's You're causing me to work fast, which I do not need to take my time. Anytime a pitcher goes 25, 30 seconds, we get rocked every time anyways. And my defense is on their heels. Hitters get time to process. It's bad for us. And so when you see hitters or pitchers work fast, the game's always better. Our bad days aren't as bad. We're always going to be more successful. Um, and we're seeing that. Like, look what happened when those hitters felt rushed. Max was they're, they're great, right? He was our example. He sits there and he manipulates the rules on many different levels, but Max goes, I'm gonna hold until you call timeout because you get one of disengagement. So he holds, and the guy calls time. The other thing, factoring in is the runner, the longer I hold, the more the runner's gonna get heavy, the hitter's hands are gonna get heavy, the more they're in a bad position. The runners aren't gonna steal when you get flat-footed, or they're gonna jump because they're ready to go. The other thing about holding is it causes me to breathe. The more I breathe, the more I relax, the better position I am to throw strikes. This clock is, if used correctly, and starters will do the best with it, if used correctly, is such an advantage for pitchers. It's crazy. So I think we see less stolen bases. I think we see um, – we're going to see like hitters get frustrated and not know how to take the time back. We're going to see pitchers relax a lot more because it's like, oh, you have 15 seconds. What do you mean you can take your time? Well, I'm going to get on the mound at 15 seconds and be ready. And so whatever the hitter does, it doesn't matter. I need three or four seconds to be relaxed. It's not like, come, set, go, come, set, go. This is such a good thing. I remember, like, I was in Toronto. I don't know if I told you guys this. I was in Toronto, and, you know, Derek Jeter, uh, No More Garcia, Paul, all those guys, right? You know, little things that take forever. Oh, yeah. Derek does that oh, yeah. all the time, he digs in, and he does this for an hour. <laughs> and we just sit on the mound, and we just let him do his thing. And so that's what most hitters do. And I remember one time in Toronto, I was pissed off. And so... I know I love Derek, don't get me wrong, but he was up and he was doing this and I was pissed. So I just walked off the back of the mound and sat down during the game. <laughs> and the umpire looked at me like, what are you doing? And Derek kind of stopped and was like, Josh, what are you doing? And I was like, and I just sat there." And then finally the umpire kind of stepped up and he's like, Josh, what are you doing? And a lot of curse words later, I said, get when you want to get Derek in the box, you guys let me know when you're ready. Derek, you let me know when you're ready. And when you're ready, I'll be ready. But until then, I'm just going to wait. Take the time. Do what you got to do. And I just sat there. And so Derek, Derek just jumped in the box and went like this. And so I jumped on the mound, and he grounded out the second base.
2: I love that. We have to find footage of that. That's priceless. Well,
1: the problem is, is the next at bat. The next at bat, what did he do? Took forever. Took a sweet time. And I sat on the mound, and I allowed him to take it back. And he got a big hit. And it just teaches you, it's like taught me so much, but like he wants to get into his rhythm. I want to take him out of his rhythm. That's really the game I'm playing on the mound anyways, in, in some little format. And all you did was just give me the the ticket to do this whenever I want on the mound. And what is a hitter going to do? What are you going to do? I can step off twice. I can pick off twice, whatever it is. You can only disengage once. Right. And so once you get in the box, like Max showed, once you get in the box like that, hitter in spring training, He put his foot in, and he saw Max ready, and he was just like, you got to be kidding me. And he knew, (laughs) as soon as he put the other foot in, Max was going to throw. He's not ready to hit. Will it be that extreme? I don't know, but it's not good for hitters. That was well
0: said. That was well said. It was well said. Real quick on to that, though. So it's the 15 seconds for the hitter. Mm -hmm. How are are third base coaches going to actually relay any kind of signals into these guys? But I guess the, the whole caveat to that is, are they actually even relaying signals into these guys? Is there even... I mean, bunts out. Nobody bunts. So we, we can right. eliminate that. Is, is there actually still signals being going, getting thrown mm. hitters?
1: Yeah, there, there is. Yeah. I, I would love to say we have earpieces in now, like the catchers and pitchers get, which is dumb, but they don't. Yeah. No, there's still our signals. Um, it, I, I, Again, I just, I look at it from having experienced that my whole life and what it does successfully for us. It's such a bad thing for baseball. It's not good for our game. Major League Baseball, like I always talk about, you're trying to speed up the game because you got us sitting in the stands drinking, I'm not drinking a nickel, but drinking beers, looking on our cell phone, which I have access to the entire world right here, and you want me to focus on this game that has action every limited. So unless you know the game from the inside out or love baseball, you're not going to be tuned in every two seconds. It's not like hockey. I go to the night game, it's 20 minutes of this back and forth. You only have time to look at this thing because the action's not stopped. Our game's different. So there's different ways to keep me engaged and you want to to get me off of this in the stands so you're going to speed up the game, and change the rules at a shot clock. You're going to do things that aren't good for our game just to try to get me undistracted from my phone. We can't go to dinner and have people undistracted from their phone. But you want me to do that at a mate? Be happy that I bought the baseball package. Be happy that I'm in the stands. Be happy that I'm having a beer and some hot dogs and stop overly trying to change the game to where a part-time fan is somebody you're trying to target. Like, it's just not good for our game of baseball at all.
0: I'm with you. I actually yes. want to go to a game and actually have it go in the extra innings. I'd, I'd love, love to see more baseball and see the craziness that goes on in extra innings. And right? I'd love to that, see, right? love to see a, a position player come in in the 13th and have to throw two innings. but. Yeah, uh, yeah These people, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. These people who wanna who wanna <laughs> speed this up, I just I don't get it. I'm, well, your, Pete, I'm in your. Pete report.
1: Rose, Pete Rose said it best to me. He's like, he always said, like, if you want to break my hit record, you might want to have some extra inning games. You might want to have 17 inning games and get a couple extra at bats because if you don't, you're never going to get there. But we took all that away. Right? Like, we have all these records that are never going to be touched ever, ever again. And now we're we're changing all these rules, but we're comparing generational stats, which is impossible as well. And so you want to – I don't want to say anything rude because he's the nicest person on planet Earth, but Scott Rowland just went to Hall of Fame. His career numbers aren't Barry Bonds one season. They're not Frank Thomas' two-year career, right? Like they're not even comparable. And so – well, it's not to say scott Rowan maybe wasn't a hall of famer but don't look at stats and put scott Rowan in the hall of fame when i'm looking at frank thomas's stats and i'm looking at all these other guys stats that are off the charts next level like we can't do that anymore you can't compare these people it's not comparable because if we're going stat based scott Rowan had what 1800 hits or something like had rbis over 100 i don't even know if he ever did like it's not so then all of a sudden he's a really good third baseman and his glove was great um like it's just we're. we're we're, we're changing too many things that's not just factoring to the game on the field. It's factoring to so many other things. It's just not good.
2: Well, I think you have to break, have it, to into eras, to break it into eras, like era. the steroid era, the the pre-1980s, whatever. You know, now the modern whatever. era of the new rules. Like You've got to separate it and almost chapter it.
1: You still, and then and it's just this crazy stats. Like, who has the most complete game since, I think, 2007? Roy Halladay. Well, he's not even with us anymore, Yeah.
3: yeah. right?
1: So, like, uh, yeah, we have to break these things up. It's impossible.
0: Hey, you just – you actually walked into something I just wrote down. I was going to touch on the pitchers. Do you know how many complete games there were thrown last year? I just looked I, it up. Well, I don't
1: know the exact answer. I want to say two. But I want to say – I looked at the Brewers, like, I think it was a year before last, last year. Last year I looked at the Brewers, and they had, like, one complete game in, like, five years or something.
0: It was something thirty. Crazy. 35 is what I saw. for
1: last. This is, this is my point to the playoffs. I'm glad you said that. This is my point to the playoffs. So I'm a starter, right? And I have my relievers. I got to let you guys do your job if we're going to be the best version of whatever team we are. So all of a sudden, Seattle gets to the postseason. And instead of trusting their bullpen, we bring in Robbie Ray to pitch the ninth inning. Okay? Do you know how many complete games Robbie Ray has in his career? Do you know how many times Robbie Ray's pitched the ninth inning in a major league baseball game? I'm going to
0: get zero. Yeah.
1: yeah. Zero. Now you're going to put him in the bullpen in a situation he's not prepared to do. He doesn't have his time to prepare. He hasn't played catch in four or five hours, maybe six hours. Now you're going to put him in a position where his heart rate peak up. Instead of having stretch, catch, bullpen, go, now he has 15 pitches to get ready, and then you want him to face the best hitter in our game. Mm, it's not a, it's a design film role, right? So like, it's a lot of things like that. Not only has he never done it, he's never seen the ninth inning of the game, and now you're going to put him in the postseason? It's, it's, it's just crazy to me, all these things. 35 is impressive, actually. Were there a seven-inning game? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're on a team, right? The, the games yeah. now are going to feel like they're seven innings. I'll say that yeah. from a viewer's standpoint. Oh, they're beautiful.
1: Hey, Mark, I remember Burley, because um, I worked fast and, and Burley worked fast, and I remember every time we'd match up, like as we're getting loose, he would look at me and be like, over, under. And I'd be like like two and he'd be like, nah, 154. Let's see if we can get in 154. <laughs> and like, we would talk like this to see how fast we can get the game over with. Cause we work so fast. I
2: love it. I love it. Uh, given all the rule changes, obviously there's, there's been some huge acquisitions in the league. You got Dansby going to Chicago. Um, You know, you got Trey coming to Philly, but then you had the World Baseball Classic injuries with Diaz, and then Reese Hoskins comes back, blows his knee out. What are maybe some teams um, that you're looking to do maybe better than expected or, you know, on the rise? And then maybe what's a team or two that, you know, now whether it's an injury or just lack of roster build or whatever, you're looking to kind of have a down season from a betting perspective, like over under wins, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was looking at some of that today a little bit too. Uh, I didn't get too deep into it, but – yeah, it's like right So Bryce goes out and, and he may be back at all-star break, but then you take Bryce out, but you add Trey Turner. You're like, Mm, it's a pretty good trade-off right there. And then I get Bryce back and their starting pitching is pretty good. They added their bullpen. So And I know it's, we're talking about a team that went to the World Series, but that team, although with the loss, kind of got better. Um, and then I look at like Houston, for example, right? You lose Gurriel, and I think, man, he was such a great clubhouse guy. And they had that little Cuban connection that Bregman was a part of, and Like on social media, we got these video clips, and it was so fun, and and being a great clubhouse guy is better for a team, really, than maybe on the field at times, but then what did you do? You lose him, and you add Jose Abreu? Maybe top 10 best player in our game? Um, I feel like Houston got better, and I don't even think that starting staff got good yet, right? So then you got another team um, who was up there at the top of the league, and and they, in my opinion, got better, and then I want to go to Texas, right? And I want to think that Texas got better, and then my brain goes, it's freaking Texas. Like, they <laughs> never get better, right? It's like, <laughs> and I want to believe in them too, man, so bad because they're in a great division. I think Seattle's a good team, and they've they've done a really good job with what they had. Their starting pitching got better, pitching is the backbone, and any and the bullpen's the backbone of any winning team. Um, but we know the Angels aren't going to win. They could, they don't ever win. They're not very good. We know that, and we know Oakland's out. So I look at Texas, and I go, wow, maybe Texas, maybe they can walk away and, and steal that division, and they. They got to be respectful numbers, i would imagine um so i I don't know i mean i kind of go around the league and and i have question marks with with, with some teams and and i get excited about the others but there's no team that i look at that i'm like they took this massive step i mean cincinnati was was one game away from the postseason two years ago and then completely dismantled their team and they're not even a relevant factor in our game now like i'm like who does that right so i don't i don't know if there's any of those teams i mean The Padres are really good, but where's their starting staff? What happened? What where's their depth? What did I just miss? Like I looked at their roster today, and I was like, is everybody hurt? Because the Dodgers look pretty good, but they're always pretty good. So then it's like, if you don't get off to a good start, are you always playing catch up on a division like that? I don't know. And then trying to think of the National League and the Central and stuff, but I mean, it's just really the Cardinals.
2: I'll give before Jason. I know Jason has a question. I like the Cubs. Their over under was, I believe, seventy eight and a half. I like them. Correct. Yeah, I think they're a better team than seventy eight wins. I think they're not going to get a great Dansby compared to what he was in Atlanta. I think he's a great uh, clubhouse presence for them. That you know they lost with Contreras, so you, that kind of washes out from the the uh, locker room standpoint. But I think their offense. They've got some some pieces. I don't I, definitely better than last year. I mean, Ian Haps obviously solid. Uh, Danzy's going to give you probably two eighties, decent RBI guy, good defense. Um, you've got the uh, Suzuki, the the guy from Japan, should be pretty well. So, like, I I think from an over perspective, there may be a team that's going to overperform. Um, obviously, based off the numbers Vegas has, but that that's just one of the teams I like.
1: I like. Let me throw a couple things at you real quick on that. You think uh, one? Do you think it's a bigger pickup for the Cubs getting Dansby or a bigger loss for Atlanta losing Dansby. And then where's the wins going to come from as far as your starting pitching concerned? Because if we're looking at Marcus Stroman, who gets about three or four wins a year. That's not going to happen. We know that. So like where, where are the wins coming from outside of, because offenses don't win in baseball. But it's, it's, it's just, it's, you can, I mean, look at every all-star game. They're loaded with the best players in the game. And it's like two, one, three, two games. Cause the pitching's so good. So like, like I, I I like a lot. I mean, Bellinger is a great addition, especially late in that lineup. I mean, there's some good additions that they needed to that team. But I just when I look at the starting pitching in the bullpen, I have a hard time finding
3: it.
2: That's a fair point. That's yeah, point. definitely fair. I mean, I think obviously offensively they got better. They're going to beat up on the Pirates, so give them. Oh, I
3: don't know about that. You know, give them ten wins. Like, I, I,
2: they're gonna they're gonna play the Nationals. They're they're definitely better than the Nats, so there's some wins. You know, the, I haven't looked. Uh, deep into them, but I, I just think they're more of a 500 team than, than under 500 because they did get better than last year. And last year towards the second half of the season, they actually were above 500. Um, I don't know, now. it's going to be a sweat. Like, I don't think they're going to win 85 to 90 games, but I think that you could get them in that kind of 82-82 or 81-81 uh, range, but... You're
1: in, the right, you're in the right division for
0: it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah but Jason, I know you had, a question. Uh, you had a
0: question. However, though, real quick on that, and I don't mean to steal a thunder, they don't play as many games against their division anymore because now they're going to play everybody.
2: So, yeah, they balance the schedules, I mean, that, out.
0: schedules out. Yeah, that, uh, that, that lineup I just looked is uh, Stroman, Hendricks, Miley, yeah. Steele, yeah. and Jamison Tyon,
1: and Steele's probably the best one.
0: And he's their, and he's their five. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Tyon had a good year; like yeah. he needed that. Yeah. He's always been good. Strowman, again, he's just—if you look at his numbers, it's just not the guy. Yeah, his heel is good, but there's no wins. And in the big leagues, it's just about winning. I mean, th- th- that's just the fact. I and mean, they paying twenty million a year. You might want to win some games. It's like Nathan Evaldi again. I'm talking about Texas, I look at Nathan, and I'm like, all right. He's legit, but like, look at his wounds. How many times has he won double-digit games? It just doesn't happen. So it's like, yeah. where the like, yeah. is he going to go deep enough to where I gotta, I can piece my bullpen, or or is he going to go four and five and my bullpen picks up the second half of the game and. And that's my whole thing about, about those guys. Smiley's fun, True. but he's like me. He's either on or he's going to get rocked, right? So how much reliance do <laughs> you have on guys like me and him?
2: I love that. You just talk so candidly know. about yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we all want to think we did good all the time. <laughs> so
4: could the Marlins have been that team if they were in the Central?
1: Glad you said that. That team surprises me. Like, you look at that rotation, I put that rotation up against anybody in baseball. And if you look at Cabrera did, is it Cabrera? What he did after Sandy Alcantara, every game last year, the second half of the season, like if you bet him first five, you own a house right now. Because it was five innings, one hit, no runs. Five innings, two hits, one run. It was, it was unbelievable. And so that rotation and then that team, I feel like, has enough pieces in the right place where they're going to be in most games. I think they got off to a bad start and Jeter's whole – you didn't put no money back in this team, so I'm out. Um, I think Kim has done a good job this year with the team. And so like I think that's probably the biggest
3: sleeper team in the game.
2: Well they get Jazz Chisholm, yeah, back I agree too. Chisholm back too. Josh is the only really
4: problem because it's so good. Josh, I got one I'm
3: more out for out you, before before you, before you here. You the here. world I'm baseball I'm classic, are you a, a fan, of fan of it? Because, because you know, it's at a time right so before, before time the season, the, the Mets lose, the lose their closer, closer for the year. Um, you know, with a really just just freaking, like, like situation. They're just jumping up and down, and he just blew his leg out. So Astros lose their second baseman for a little bit. Are you a fan of the World Baseball Classic? And if you are, would you maybe change it at a different time?
1: So remember Kendrick Morales hit that grand slam, that walk-up with the Angels, and he jumped up at home plate, celebrated and blew his ACL out, missed it. I mean, it's very silly. You don't know when injuries are going to happen. They're usually non-contact anyway, especially something like that. Um, the World Baseball Classic to me, outside of Little League Baseball, is the best version of baseball we have on planet Earth to me. I think the Classic I love is it. the absolute thing. What the fans did, like you saw 97% of Japanese households had the games on. That was, that was
2: crazy.
1: It's, all, like, it's, it's what it means to the world. Our game is not an American sport. I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's, it's a world sport, and for all of us involved, and probably you all as well, like, look at Open Day roster. It's probably 50-50, like, from the, from the states or not from the states on Open Day rosters for Cross Major League Baseball. And all of our friends are from all over the world, and there's a reason I root for Venezuela because of a lot of people that I know, in Mexico as well. And and every style of baseball, Dominican, Puerto Rican, it's all different. Japanese styles are different. And and you uh, speaking of advantages, you learn tendencies on where people are from in the country and how aggressive they are to play the game. And so when we watch it, man, it's just like – or when I watch it, it's – it just takes me back to, to like, the sacrifices these guys make in Cuba to come play to get here. Like, the, why some of those guys didn't want to play on the team, and it takes me back to being in Mexico and watching my buddies and, and understanding like, we well, gotta get on the bus in some of them cities, right? Like, you just you don't mess around. And 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 again, it's it's, I I just loved it. I thought it was the best version of baseball. It's the only time we can play it. There's no other time we can play it. And you saw especially. When you see our American boys appreciate as much as they do, that tells you how important it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, you saw Trey Trey Turner say say that was the biggest hit of his career career. Uh, in that that moment, hit that 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 go-ahead home run. Um, run. One player I wish that would have played in it, I've grown a a big fan of him uh, because because the starting starting nine for Barstow was Jake Arrieta. He had an offer to play for, I believe, Puerto Rico. Um, and he ultimately turned it down, but I, I think that would have been awesome to see him come out maybe come out one more time out of retirement to kind of play for that. Um, so maybe, maybe we can get him to come out. Uh, it's what every four years. So he's probably not going to come out, but that would have been cool to see him. I, I, I've always been a fan of Arietta and that would, I think that would have made him a lot better. Uh, but outside of that, I think like you said, probably the best product of baseball that we see because in the Olympics, you don't get that. I mean, it's so overshadowed by every other sport that's going on at the time. To, to have that focus, uh, I think, was incredible. Um, but as we're wrapping up, do you have anything you want to plug in and what are you working on, anything like that? What's going on out in Vegas?
1: <laughs> we're throwing up more spheres and buildings and uh, a lot of cool stuff. No, man, like I just do part-time stuff on Decent, just got normal jobs here in Las Vegas, and uh, just try to be a baseball fan. Nah,
2: not, learning to play
0: golf not, is not, not gonna, normal. Not. <laughs> Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Um, you're a California guy. Uh, a little bit of trivia today: Who we'll is go. San Diego State Aztecs all-time assist leader in hoops? He's it's, 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 it's a baseball player, so we'll see if you can dig I'm this up. Tony
1: Gwynn. Did
0: Tony go there? It is. <laughs> it, is. it is. Yeah. The only reason I wanted to do that too is I want to get. We want to get your pick on the uh, Final Four. Who do you got? Who do you got winning it all?
1: Can I uh, skip? <laughs> <laughs> my girl and I have something where you get one skip a day on a question. <laughs> but, uh, here's my here's my follow up, and then I'll answer that question. Who's in it?
2: Oh, <laughs> Lord.
1: Well, <laughs> maybe Josh has been watching the XFL.
2: He doesn't know. So. Josh, yeah, you've been watching XFL. I got plays for you, so i that's a fair point.
1: Hey, get that team. By the
2: way, get that team in a better stadium out there because that is some hot garbage. You, they got to do better in Vegas. The Vegas Vipers are playing in like a high school field. <laughs>
1: Oh, I know it's bad. Dude,
2: we're that's really bad. Uh, your backyard's <laughs> got to look better than that. Put some stripes <laughs> on that field, please.
1: <laughs> and you know what's crazy is, is uh, so we had a couple of high schools, I think it was, that were supposed to go up, and they didn't go up. So all that money went to every high school football field. So every high school football field has been re in the last two years. They all look amazing. So you can go to any high school field, go to Gorman's, go to Liberties, and you get a better stadium than what they're doing.
2: Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, that that's was a bad, bad, bad show. Bad Shame, on bad. Get, Shame on your city. Call whoever and get Shame that that, get that sorted out. You got some clout. You're VEASAN. <laughs> you bitch. Listen, you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know who I played for? Yeah, guess Eric Stevens on the horn. <laughs> yeah. yeah hey,
1: well, listen, he's got the pool, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Play it on the, we can play it on the pool deck.
0: It's got to be better.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there won't be much action going on stuff that shouldn't be
1: going on. So. Yeah, so they got uh they got some first pitch stuff going on tomorrow. He got uh he wants me to come down there with my glove. He got Maddox going out of first pitch, I don't know what we got going on, but something's going on at Circa tomorrow it should be fun. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
2: that's, awesome. that's very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That should be really cool. Well, cool. We'll uh, we'll definitely if hopefully they do something like that. We'll check it out on Twitter. We got to find that clip of you sitting down with Jeter. I mean, that's that's priceless. If you have it, send it to us. If not, we're gonna scour the internet. For I
1: don't you. even have the clips of me drilling Alex and getting in fights. It's like almost impossible. Listen, uh, we played it previous times. We missed we missed the Twitter media era.
2: That's uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, we'll, look, we'll
3: look it up. We'll try yeah, it. We'll, we'll look at it. it.
2: We find <laughs> it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll
3: send it. We'll send it to Josh. To you, Josh. I appreciate it.
2: All right, Josh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, We're going to wrap it up. We'll we'll definitely bring you on uh, throughout the season. We love the story time. And uh, we'll we'll kind of we touch base now. We'll see what teams are doing and we'll go from there. We'll ride this whole season together. So, all right, thanks, Josh.
3: Appreciate it, Josh. Yes, sir. Take care.
2: All right boys. I mean that, that kinda wraps up the show. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything?
3: No, he's just boys? He's fantastic. We gotta get him yeah, on that's a lot a, more. That dude can just talk.
2: I know. I know. I love it. He kill he, he k- kill some, some time, but they're so like you're locked in. It's hard to can you imagine are, yeah.
0: if you can you imagine if we got him and Sean Casey on together spitting out stories left and right?
2: What you need to do is next year when you go out to Vegas is just meet up with Josh and hang out. I
0: didn't know he... I didn't know he lived there. Or I definitely yeah. would hit him up. Well, Dude, that would be. be December, so. Yeah, there you go. I'd
2: pay $20 at Stadium Swim. We'd get a cabana. I'd just be like, just, <laughs> just, let's go. The let's the talk. Stories, we're going to gamble, and best. we're going to talk.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all I have to say is go Pirates. Let's raise the Jolly 100 tomorrow and get a big win. That's all I want to know. I'm going to I'm gonna just
0: give out my uh, over team total. I'm yep, going good. The yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over Tigers.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I mean. Just right a half. So, yeah, pretty yeah. low. Pretty low. I gave out over seventy-eight and a half clubs and, a half and over and 57, and 57, and fifty-seven and a
3: half nats. I'll post mine tonight. I took uh, over pirates and not a rip on Matt like I told him last night, but I took the under under the Phillies. So I'll post that tonight. Oh jeez,
2: don't be sensitive, Jason. You got anything before we wrap it up? Such a nice guy. Such a nice guy.
4: I, I think I'm gonna pay the Yankees actually. I was looking at what we were talking about them. Uh I think their total right now is ninety four and a half. You look at that starting lineup, everybody's over thirty four years old. That's amazing. That's the oldest team by far in baseball and guys get hurt when they're that old. So Yeah.
2: That's yeah. true. That's true. All right, boys. We right, will, we will uh, uh wish the Nats a curly W tomorrow, the Pirates, the Phillies. Let's hopefully we, we all get wins for our team. We all get a win closer on the uh, the overs and uh, our plays again they'll be on Twitter. Uh, On our personal accounts as well as notebook wagering And uh, this is the start of baseball So we're getting ready to hammer it We've got Final Four coverage Again, we'll be posting all that stuff on Twitter Um, We'll figure out maybe we'll do a Twitter space For the National Championship Kind of dip our toes in that And uh, as we always say, bang your bookies
1: Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes And be sure to follow
2: At Notebook Wagering Until next time.